My name is Craig Hellemeyer, and I'm part of the Children's Health Advisory Council. And today we're having an insight webinar on how to nurture and grow leadership within the department. The members participating today, in addition to myself, are Bruder Stapleton, Arnie Strauss, Christine Gleason, Bob Sond, and Daniel LaRocarina. And today's topic is, is, I find, very exciting, and I think members of the committee or the council will also agree with me, and ways to really nurture and develop leadership within the department. I think one of the things that, that I have found uh, through my career is that virtually every faculty member in the department is, is indeed a leader, um, whether they're in a clinic session or whether they're, it's actually a part of the, the section of, the, of their division or the department, they are providing leadership activities. And it's really important to help people understand that being a leader is really a matter of showing the vision that you've been able to develop, to work with the people that are in that area, and that helping those people understand the role they need to play in obtaining that division and how they're going to be able to evaluate their success and helping that organization move forward. And oftentimes, um, there are, are didactic sessions which people can use to help people understand that. And I think oftentimes, those excite some people and they don't excite other people. So we're going to talk today about ways, I think, that, that we've seen people be successful and being motivated to being the best leader that they can and to move themselves and the organization forward. And one of the other things I think we've all noted is that there are some very excellent programs that oftentimes exist outside the institution, such as the, uh, the Harvard Business School and, and many other programs to help people understand how to be effective leaders. But at the same time, there are many uh, opportunities that exist oftentimes within a university, a college of medicine, or even within a department, helping people to learn to become leaders. And we're going to hear how people have been able to use those programs. Bob, do you have some comments you might like to make about that? I was uh, really struck by what you said about the many opportunities for all faculty to be leaders. And perhaps too late in my career, I learned that I'm reminded of the Churchill quote about never letting a, a good crisis go to waste. Those crises often present a real opportunity to, to develop leaders. If you can empower a faculty member to help lead the solutions to a, a problem, that can be a, a, a strong learning experience for them. And it also gives them a sense of agency and control, which is a big factor these days. And and making making people feel more engaged and avoiding burnout. So I wish I had done this more often that sometimes when a problem reaches your desk as a leader, you feel obligated to try to fix it yourself, but instead view it as an opportunity to develop a leader. But the important part of that is you have to you can't just delegate it to them. You have to then also support them and 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 give them feedback as to you know what they did well and what perhaps could have been done differently. So, uh, you know, making lemonade out of lemons, if you will. <laughs> Thank you. That's a really good point. Bruder, do you have something you wanted to add? Well, you know, I uh, agree, of course, with Bob. I was chair in two different institutions, and it, it certainly has evolved. I think recognition of the importance of leadership is much greater now than it was early in my career when I was a division head. I found, first of all, at the division chief level, many of the division chief levels really saw their job 
has been created because of simply their excellence as a clinician or a researcher in that area and had not given a lot of thought to the importance of the multiple leadership skills that are needed. You know, helping in discussions with those individuals and, and as a group, having retreats and talking about differently was, was uh, useful. I often, I had little leadership books that I gave to all the chiefs and, and people, people kind of knew me for that. But then there's also the issue of the faculty, like you mentioned, everyone being a leader. And I think, you know, having the, having the opportunity to use faculty meetings and retreats to emphasize uh, leadership skills and, and attributes is, is really, is really helpful because then everybody starts realizing you know, their roles are important too. We did that for diversity and unconscious bias, mentoring, other things. So really trying to inculcate a department with the idea of the, you know, the values of leadership and what that is, 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 is really important. Thank you. Danielle, did you have some comments you wanted to make? Yeah, thank you for bringing up uh, this topic. So a couple of thoughts. One is I'd like to go back to what you mentioned in terms of every faculty member has the potential for leadership. And I think I'd like to go upstream in that and saying, um, we have to redefine what we mean by leadership. And I think that's what was inherent in your comment. So we have gone through this kind of very narrow definition of leadership, and it would be nice to recognize leadership where it's more subtle. It, it's displayed in an ethical approach, for example, to something. And let me give you an example on rounds. One of the questions I got asked when I was, I forget, chair or one of those positions was what you do when there is a, a comment within during rounds that's not doesn't complement or puts down. And, you know, we've we've developed the terms about bystander sort of interventions now, right? But we didn't have the language then. How does a leader show in a respectful way that certain behaviors are not okay? So leading with our values and our ethics, I think can establish, can model for folks what quiet leadership and leadership that has courage can mean. And um, I actually do think that if you, you know, you're a fabulous researcher, you've probably managed a great team. And that's a that's a wonderful thing. So it's not contradicting that, but it's saying that we must recognize other things. And the second point is the, the point with respect to development of leaders, meaning a crisis never wastes a crisis, correct? But I think there also, it's not leadership if we neglect our faculty. So benign neglect is never benign. So develop your leaders because you recognize their qualities and then don't just mentor them, sponsor them. And those two things are quite different. And I think I did not recognize, I thought intuitively I recognized it, but I actually did not recognize that, that there is a difference between claiming who's my mentor and who's my sponsor. So those things, I think, are really important in how we redefine leadership and how we support the development of leadership. Yeah, I think those comments really resonate with me. And one of the things I think that oftentimes as leaders, we tend to undervalue is our ability to set the agenda that our faculty think are important by what we talk about. 
how those things that we talk about are what they're going to be paying attention to, and they eventually uh, become how they decide to live their lives. And I think that if we recognize leadership in other individuals, much in the way that you talked about, that oftentimes ends up being a way to, to sort of mentor and to show people how they indeed can exercise leadership. Chris, did you have a couple of points you wanted to make? Yeah, thanks, Craig. Um, this has just been a great conversation. I'm thinking about Bob's, you know, the whole crisis management and the opportunities that came up. And it made me think that one of the things that I found both personally important in leadership development, but also became part of my, my own sort of leadership, I guess, development style uh, as a division chief. And that is the opportunities that you can provide for someone to try out a leadership position, both in and modeling that. Uh, vice chairs and departments are, are one way that that can be done. And in my own division, I had associate division chiefs. And, and I, I wound up sort of rotating some of those roles. They were opportunities, not just for people to develop those leadership skills, but to try them out. Is this something they wanted to do? And that led to conversations for some of my budding leaders thinking that, in fact, the next step would be to be a division chief themselves or a department chair or something along those lines and say, well, what are those are the reasons why you want to do that? And do you have the right skill set? And what could you use to develop that leadership skill set if it doesn't exist? So I think interim positions, uh, vice chair, vice uh, or associate division chief positions are also uh, opportunities to both role model, um, help leaders, developing leaders to assess whether that's something they want to do. And it also resonated for me when, you know, Bruder was talking about these retreats and things that you were holding, which I was part of, and they were, they were terrific on various things with division chiefs, you were the department chair, so the division chiefs would get together or clinical research, um, medical directors of, of the clinics and, and so forth. Those became opportunities also to, I don't know, in a way kind of crisis management, but talk about, well, how did you solve that problem? Or sort of the self-awareness that, gosh, I, I didn't, I didn't think of doing it that way, or I wasn't aware that there were these equity problems or in the search for a new faculty member that I hadn't taken this into account. And talking with other leaders really was a very important experience in developing my own leadership uh, skills and then enabling me to do the same with the people that I was coaching, mentoring, sponsoring, uh, empowering to become the next generation of leaders. So thank you for all of those comments. It really made me think about it. Yeah, I think it's becoming very clear to that members of the council uh, feel that there are really few things more exciting or more invigorating as an actual leader who's recognized as a leader than to see other people develop and hone those skills in which they become leaders themselves and recognize as leaders. And that truly is one of the the real positive aspects of, of being in a leadership, recognized leadership position. 
Um, I might be interested to hear from the council of any particular issues. I think Bruder talked about those retreats that he had. Are there other specific ways that, that you have seen successful in terms of recognizing those people who might benefit from or have opportunities to develop those leadership skills? One, well, it's hard to call it a benefit of the pandemic, but, but with, with everything that had to go virtually, you know, you talked about the Harvard program and, and, and some other programs. I think leaders in, in pediatrics, we, we've seen a lot of the societies, the organizations, including this one, you know, <laughs> our Child Health Advisory Council, but put on you know, webinars, um, podcasts, opportunities to talk about leadership and um, among, among leaders and to invite new people in. There's a broad representation, the American Pediatric Society, they, have something every other month now. And so I think those are opportunities that, again, like, like you had said, I think, Craig, some, some speak to some people, work for some people, but they're opportunities, I think, for leaders, if they're aware of these opportunities, to even get together and say, watch a webinar, uh, you know, do something on a podcast. Um, you know, to, together because it's on a subject people have had issues with, or or they're going to be doing a new search for heaven's sake, and so they want to know well what kind of leader do we look for and and so forth. So I think there's been a well maybe really too much. We're all kind of sick of Zoom, <laughs> having said that. But but there's been an opportunity uh, I think for for societies and things who only would get together maybe once or twice a year at a meeting or whatever to put some of their thoughts together uh, in public. And I, I think those are opportunities that we could, I could have taken more advantage of those if they'd existed when I was growing up as a leader, <laughs> so. Hey, Bruder, did you have a comment you wanted to make? I uh, just would relate uh, a grassroots sort of thing that grew in our department. A couple of uh, faculty who were very interested in faculty development Came and, and one who had developed a peer mentoring group in their division, it happened to be emergency medicine, that had been very successful. They proposed and they held a quarterly meet, uh, and it could be done Zoom, it was pre-pandemic, so it was in person, but uh, even might even be better at Zoom, uh, of all, all the assistant professors who were interested in talking to leaders and they would they would bring in i did one the ceo did one uh different individuals they they selected who they wanted and then they presented questions to these people about their careers and that was uh very well attended in fact it grew with attendance uh, as over over time it was meeting people where they were what they were interested in but these were people who uh wanted to have the experience of people they might not get to talk, sit down and talk with or meet with easily. And so that was that was one thing that happened in our department that uh, the faculty came up with that seemed to be you know very, very effective for people who were interested in advancing their careers and learning about leadership. And Danielle, did you have a comment you wanted to make? Yeah, no, just to continue to build on the conversation. First of all, I think conversation is really important. I know that in my own thinking, when I was able uh, to share ideas with others, it allowed me to reflect what my internal thoughts were, but also to know that I wasn't alone. 
And so I think naming something is important. It demystifies it because if you say leadership, leadership development, as you pointed out in your introductory comments, there are people who may steer away from that because they really are not going down that path, but they have inherent in them leadership capabilities that we're not identifying. The other point that Bruder just made is having a less hierarchical uh, process so that there is easier conversation across generations, across sort of, you know, the assistant professor, professor, associate professor, professor kind of um, uh, mantle, but saying, you know, we're all in this together and how do we share in our own talents and bring those forth? Understanding that that's valued by an institution is a way to create a different culture of leadership. So, um, you know, I think this is something that um, uh, not only are you become self-aware, but you also feel that you're part of a larger group because isolation is not great, whether you're a leader or not, isolation is not a fun process. So how do you become part of the whole, but really where your particular talents are valued by the whole? Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate the council's thoughts. And I think it's been a really exciting uh, conversation to help us understand how we might be able to help those who maybe haven't been such obvious leaders in the past become more effective and more productive leaders in the future. So thank you very much. Craig, I think in closing, I would encourage all those that take the opportunity to listen to this conversation with the council to uh, check out the core leadership competencies that the council has created on careerphysician.com. I mean, that it's an excellent grouping of 10 competencies that uh, I do feel like not as a plug to the company, but really as a, a plea to those wishing to be better leaders. It's a great bit of content there for, for people to, to digest. Um, and then I think from a, from the last 30 years of doing leadership work in academic pediatrics, I, I would encourage um, current leaders to instill in their cultures that every physician is a leader. Uh, I think when you start to think about that, uh, it, it impacts your, you know, how your groups around in the hospital, it impacts uh, the clinical setting. I think as every young or old physician, if you will, sees themselves as a leader, regardless of title, um, I just think it has a really positive impact on their careers and also the the health of the cultures that uh, exist in those organizations. So, you know, thank you again for your leadership today. It's great, uh, great conversation.